Heavenly Father, this is our day. This is the day of celebration for believers all over the world, where we celebrate the greatest moment in our faith. Your son overcame death, rose that we might have life. Lord, as we spend a few moments in your word, would you open up our eyes, open our hearts and minds to receive, and Lord, change us to be more like him. And it's in his name that we ask it. Amen. All right, I want to start with a question slash survey. Um, this is participatory. I would like you to raise your hand if you have ever wanted to be a superhero. Raise your hand. All right. All right, now, go ahead and put those down. All right, now, kids, every dad who did not raise his hand is a liar. <laughs> and they're lying in church on Easter. Superheroes. They have been such a part of our culture since they came into being. If you go back to the 40s, really the beginnings of the comic books, they say that, and this is based off of doing research, they say that 90% of all kids in America were reading comic books. 50% of male adults, and I know you think it'd be higher than that, and 28% of women were reading comic books. And it hasn't really changed that much. The medium has changed. Now it's movies. But I mean, the, some of the most popular, biggest grossing movies are superhero movies. What is it with our fascination with superheroes? There's all kinds of things that could be, but here's what I want to suggest. And I think this is why we want to be them. They rewrite the rules of what is possible. Superheroes are very much like us in certain ways. They are here among us. They look like us. They're living our lives. But then they scale walls and shoot webs and fly and things come out of their eyes. And they rewrite what's possible in the rules. And I think most of us would love to be able to do that. What I want to start with this morning is a group of people who don't rewrite rules, they follow them. And they follow them very, very faithfully. And it's a little section of scripture that is hardly ever talked about because it comes before the tomb. And it's this little section in Luke's gospel where he describes Joseph and the women, and they are so faithful to the rules. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. We're going to go to verse 50. Luke 23, starting in verse 50. Now, there was a man named Joseph from a Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. You're going to notice as we go through this, 
Luke goes out of his way to paint a picture of these people. A good and righteous man who had not consented to the decision and action that is to crucify Jesus, to go after him. The other religious leaders had, he did not. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. That's the appropriate way to do it. And the records say that the Romans, unless there was a reason not to, would release the body. He doesn't just try and steal it. He doesn't just try and go. He goes to Pilate and he asks permission. Then he took it down and he wrapped it in a linen shroud and he laid it in a tomb cut in stone which no one had ever been laid in yet. This is important. He is fulfilling Deuteronomy 21 that says if a man is hung on a tree and he dies, he needs to be taken down before nighttime. Otherwise, there's a curse. He is being obedient to the law in this action. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointment. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. In both cases... These are very faithful people who are following the commandments. They are doing what they're supposed to do, both biblically, but also even Roman law. They are faithful rule followers. And here's what really impresses me about them. I can tell you when I'm most likely to break the rules. When I am angry, when I am frustrated, when I'm hurt, when I feel like there's injustice, that is when I'm most likely to break the rules. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's when I'm most likely not to care so much about what that person thinks or what this is supposed to be because something's happened to me and I'm gonna do whatever I darn well please. Think about what they went through. These people believed Jesus was the one. This was the guy they gave everything for. In fact, the women financially support him. They give lives, they give time, they give money, and and he's gone. He died. I don't know whether to be angry or just hurt. Am I mad at the, the Romans for killing him or the Jewish leadership for killing him? Am I mad at him for letting me down? But all these things they are going through, I could easily see them just decide, forget the rules. I shouldn't have had to go through this. I'm going to do what I want. Can you relate to that? They are faithful even when it is hard to be faithful. I have not always been that way. Maybe you haven't either. I remember in particular being in high school, 11th grade chemistry class. We had to take the periodic table test. And you had to take it until you passed it. And you got three times in class, and then you had to start coming in on your lunch break to take it. Well, when I came in on my lunch break to take it, I was not going to fail this test again. 
I am, I've given up one lunch break already. I'm tired of this. I think this is ridiculous. <laughs> and so all of those elements I couldn't remember ended up all over my arm. I just started writing all of them that I could get. I even had to write them on my hand because it was going too far up my arm. I started to look like an NBA player. I got tattoos of the periodic table. So I even have it on my hand, the one I didn't write with. And I come in with my long sleeve shirts, my hand like this, and I sit down to wait for this test. Now the guy who's giving it is an older gentleman, has a certain proper way about things. And so I'm sitting there for a while and I'm thinking, I wish he'd hurry up, like I want to at least try and get back to lunch. He gets up out of his desk, brings the test, walks over and he sets it on my desk. And then he stands there. <laughs> so this is not going according to plan here. I can't even like do this. And I'm thinking, please go back to your desk where I'm never going to pass this thing. And he waits a moment. And he goes, Jason, I know you've worked really hard. You've studied for this thing a lot. You pass. And he picks up my test, and he walks away. <laughs> Ow. Still hurts. <laughs> but you know what? I, was, I felt like this test was unfair. I felt like, what do I need this stuff for? I mean, why do I need to know the periodic table? I can just go look it up. I mean, why do I have to memorize this? Why do I have to miss my lunch? This isn't right. This isn't fair. And so I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to cheat. Do you ever find yourself there? Joseph and these women were not. They had every reason not to do things right, but they remained faithful all the way through. However, something happens when they get to the tomb. Chapter 24, in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, you can still see these tombs in Israel today, where they go into the side of a mountain, into a rock, and they make these tombs, and, and there are these, these stones either that were rolled because they're round or they're discs, or if you couldn't afford it, they'd just take a big block and try and move it in front to keep wild animals from getting in and desecrating the body. You can still see them. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And here are these grieving, faithful women. They've got all their spices, and they've come to the tomb, and they get there, and the stone has moved away, and so they look in, and he's not there. You might think initially they're going, I'm glad that stone has moved away, because I don't know how we would have moved it away, but where is he? And while they were perplexed, they are confused, they are lost, they are questioning about this. Behold, two men stood by in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why? Why do you seek the living among the dead? And it's an interesting question for such faithful people. 
I mean, think about it. This is a group of women who know what they're supposed to do. They know the law. They're being faithful in their actions. And the angel's saying to them, why are you here? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered. Hey, this word remember, it is essential. It is a pivotal part of this text. This word in Greek means more than just recollection of facts. It's more than that. This is the word when Peter denies the Lord and the cock crows for the third time and it says Peter remembered and then he goes out and he weeps bitterly. It's not that Peter forgot Jesus had said what he said. I mean, he just said it. It wasn't that long before this that he told him that. It's not as if it was completely out of his mind and he didn't know it. And he went, oh yeah, that's what Jesus was talking about. Rather, the word has to do with comprehension and belief. Peter, in that moment, got it. In that moment, Peter went, I understand what he was saying and what he meant, and I believe him. And he begins to weep. He cries bitterly because he knows he was wrong about something that he was standing up to Jesus going, no, I will never deny you. And yet he did, and Jesus said he would. Right here, as the angel says, remember. It is more than just recall what he said. He said this more than once to them. They know the words. The problem is they don't understand them, and they don't believe them. Here's my question. How can such faithful people not get it? I mean, these are people that are like following the law as they should. They're following Jesus even, but they don't get it. I mean, essentially the angel says, why did you even come to the tomb? Like, you should know he's not going to be here. Why did you show up? He told you, but they didn't quite get it. Why didn't they get it? Back to superheroes for a minute. I'm going to tell you why they didn't get it. Um, we're going to take one more poll, but this is just for kids. Um, I don't, still, don't get to a, uh, except for you, Derek, you can be a part of it. <laughs> All right. Four superheroes. Right? I'm going to name them because they're some of the most famous. Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Captain America. Okay? I want you to raise your hand when I say the one that's your favorite of those four. Okay? We're going to go backwards. Captain America. Okay, we've got a couple. Spider-Man. Oh, maybe more, maybe about the same. Batman. Well, not more hands, but more enthusiasm. <laughs> Superman. Wow. Yeah, other than the one kid that raised his hand all four times, <laughs> that was about even. Um, 
All right, here's what I think about the superheroes. Right? They are all pretty amazing. Captain America defeats the Red Skull. Spider-Man defeats the Green Goblin. Batman defeats the Joker. Superman defeats Lex. Jesus defeats death. Do you get that? He defeats death. And I don't mean he just came back to life. I mean he defeated death so that we will come back to life again. That's Jesus. Here is why I think they don't get it. He is the greatest superhero ever because he defeats what nobody could defeat. And do you remember at the beginning I said the reason we want to be superheroes is because they rewrite the rules, they do things that nobody can do? Here's why I don't think they get it. They are rule followers, and Jesus rewrote the rules. Death would no longer have victory. Hey, that's never happened. You can look across all the cultures, look at the religions, look at all the expressions. You may die and go to heaven or to go to paradise or go to nirvana or you may be reincarnated. You don't come back to life in a resurrected body for all eternity except through Christ. He rewrote the rules. Here's the thing. Faithfulness is insufficient without the right faith. You have to believe the right things in order for the faithfulness to fully be all it can be. Because otherwise, you're missing out on the life that he's offering. Right? He radically changes life. And when I say that, I don't mean, hey, recently the NFL came out with their rule changes. They do it every year. You know, gonna change these couple rules here. A few yards here, this kind of tackle, this kind of catch. I'm not talking about that kind of change. He radically rewrites the rules for life like this, the internet. I want you to think about the internet. 20 years ago, it had very little impact in our lives. Today, I want you to think about how much of your life is connected to the internet. Jobs, school, bills. I was talking to my mom. I only write one check, well, sometimes two, two checks a month. The rest of my bills are online. Think about the ways. When you apply for a job, I mean, everything we do. This past Christmas, we bought almost our entire Christmas gifts on Amazon, Mark. I mean, everything. Think about our kids. Do you remember doing research for a paper in high school or college? Do you remember an encyclopedia? My kids don't even know what it is. They have Wikipedia. I mean, think about it. When they do research, they Google. I mean, it's absolutely fundamentally changed. Could you imagine life without Facebook, YouTube, emails? It's fundamentally changed how we interact. 
when JFK was shot. You know the sound that went around the world? It took 10 minutes for that to be breaking news on CBS. And that was the first station to release it. 10 minutes. And when they did it, and you can go see it on YouTube, when they did it, they actually put a card up because they didn't have any video ready. They didn't have a camera in the studio to do it with initially. And so they just, it's in the middle of an old show as the world turns, and it just stops in the middle of it, and there's a place card that says CBS, 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 and they announce it. It would take another couple of hours before most of the nation would know. That happened today. Within 30 seconds, there would be video online because if a president is going through, how many phones are videoing that? I mean, it has absolutely changed our lives. That is how dramatic the change Jesus looks for in our lives, all based on the resurrection. Right? And if you think I'm going too far, right, just listen. I am these faithful women. This is what I know to be faithful. I am not going to murder. And Jesus comes along and says, don't be angry with your brother. And if you are, make it right before you even bring your gift to the altar of God. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, these faithful women, they were not to commit adultery and they wouldn't have. Jesus comes along and says, I don't even want you to entertain lust. These faithful women, if they wanted their word to count, would do it with an oath. And Jesus comes along and says, I want your word to be so true that you don't even have to use oaths. These women, an eye for an eye. Jesus comes along and says, don't resist an evil person. These women Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And Jesus comes along and says, love your enemies. Jesus, the creator of the world, came and said, I came to serve, not to be served. And he got down on his knees before his own disciples and washed their nasty feet. He radically changed what the rules are. He rewrote them all based on the resurrection that overturns. We can trust him. You and I have a whole other eternity to look forward to. And he says, in this life, live this way, a radically different kind of way. There was a young boy, third grade. His name was Philip. How many of you are in third grade? All right, we got some third. Yeah, Chris McCampbell probably is in third grade. <laughs> no, I meant now. <laughs> Again, yeah. Philip was in third grade, and he had Down syndrome. And in his third grade Sunday school, yes, even in Sunday school, the other members of the class would make fun of him. They didn't understand, they didn't get it, and they would make fun of him. One day, the teacher had a project 
for the students. Around Easter, she gave each of them a large plastic egg and said, go outside and I want you to find what you think represents Jesus coming back to life. So all these third graders go out onto the playground and they fill these eggs with things. They come back in and the teacher one by one starts opening these eggs and she's finding beautiful flowers. One kid apparently actually got a butterfly into the egg. <laughs> so when the egg opened up, the butterfly took off and, and, and everybody's like, wow, that's awesome. These are great. And of course, there were kids who did like, didn't take it serious and they put a rock in there. But, but they all did these things. It was so beautiful until one egg was opened with nothing in it. And kids being kids went, oh, that's dumb. Somebody didn't do the assignment. Somebody didn't do what they're supposed to do. And Philip said, that's mine. The other kids went, of course it is. You would do things wrong. You never do these things right. And he said, no, I did it right. The tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. And all these kids got quiet. Two months later, Philip passed away. Got an infection that impacted his heart. They couldn't save him. A lot of these Sunday school kids went to the funeral. And they brought empty eggs with them. When they came to the coffin, they laid the empty eggs there. Philip changed the rules, but it impacted the entire class, and it changed them. Jesus changed the rules. When he defeated death, he made a whole new way possible. He defeated the one thing that could not be defeated. And now we have it too. Why can we live the way he's calling us to live? I mean, do you understand he's actually calling you to be a superhero? He's asking you to live in ways that are so radically different from the rules of our society, which so much more fits the beautiful law of the Old Testament but don't go nearly far enough as what Jesus did. He's saying, he's inviting us in. He's saying, look, I've already defeated death for you. This life is not all there is. Now I'm asking you to take this life and to be radically different people because I defeated death and I've given you my spirit. Go and live like the superheroes that I want you to be, that I've called you to be, loving people when they don't deserve to be loved, taking care of people who don't deserve to be taken care of, not letting our own anger and emotions rule us, but letting him rule us, and always putting first what he wants. It is a superhero calling for all of us even the kids in this room, to be different than the other kids 
because of what Jesus accomplished. Jesus is risen. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Not just for his sacrifice, but for his resurrection that shows us that you accepted his sacrifice for our sins, raised him to new life, and offer that life to us. That we can be resurrection people, rewriting the rules of what it is like to live because your son did it first, and we follow him. Lord, thank you for the risen Savior. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.